using social media, like I said, has been the answer, I think, of like breaking into, I guess, a male dominated industry. Um, And I hadn't thought about that until you said it, because I don't know. I think the way that I got into social media and photography was watching other women do it. And that's because they were on social media and they were utilizing what, you know, women typically excel at, um, like an area that they're excelling to get into an industry that they aren't as well represented in. Shutter Stories, a canon podcast. Hi, I'm Ilvin Jokicin and welcome to a brand new season of Shutter Stories, a canon podcast on photography, filmmaking and content creation. If you've not heard me on this podcast before, I'm a canon ambassador, a photojournalist and documentary maker. It's an International Women's Day special today, so let's dive in. Every year, International Women's Day has a theme, and this year's is Embracing Equity. But what does that mean? Well, equity can be described as giving everyone everything they need to be successful, as opposed to equality, which means that everyone is given the same resources regardless of their needs. And with that in mind, how does this relate to photography and content creators? Well, according to a study conducted by Women Photograph on gender representation in photography, globally around three quarters of all photography students are women. This could be an example of achieving equality for women because unlike other industries, they are overrepresented in this subject. But when you add it to the fact that women only make up 15% of all professional photographers, you can see that as an industry, photography still lacks equity. So how can we change this? How can we achieve and embrace equity within photo direction and content creation so that future generations can have everything they need to succeed in this industry? Today, I'm going to be speaking to Vanity Fair's fashion director, Nicole Chapeteau, and a content creator thriving on photography TikTok, Rosie Lug, about their own journeys, as well as what we can do going forward to embrace equity in the direction of photo shoots and content creation. Thanks so much for joining. Hello. Thanks so much for having us. I'm so happy to have you in this show, in this episode. I'm really excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah. (laughs) So, Nicole, let's start with you. Uh, You're a fashion director at Vanity Fair, uh, which is, of course, a dream job for so many people listening now, I'm sure. It was my dream job, so I get it. (laughs) How did you, how did it kind of come about and what does the job until um i started i actually started my career working in architecture and then did a little shift changed my mind and started interning at marie claire magazine and just kind of worked my way through the industry worked my way up and um my vanity fair job kind of happened almost on accident i was freelancing a former amazing boss of mine, you know, had me on freelancing doing someone's maternity leave and then asked me to stay. And yeah, and she ended up leaving to be the editor in chief of Harper's Bazaar US. Her name is Samira Nasser. And I took on her job. So it was, it was like, I, it really was like all on accident. I was just supposed to be there for three months. That's the way things should go. So I'm a photographer. I'm hosting this podcast, but I'm also a photographer. It'd be great to understand the relationship you have with your photographers on a shoot and how you make sure everyone on a shoot is always on the same page. You know, we talk about the talent that we're shooting and the direction we want to go in and really collaborate to see 
you know, what the vibe of the shoot should be, how it should look, and and talk that over a lot ahead of time, and then get on set and everything just happens. And we also we also work with the talent to see what they're feeling, you know, what they want to portray, because a lot of what we do at Vanity Fair is really like showing people's personality at just like a very heightened level. Yeah, I think that's really important. So let's just go back one step. Um, what does the job actually entail? On a day-to-day basis, I feel like I, it's like meetings. We're talking about the next issue. We're trying to figure out the visual aesthetic. So my job as a fashion director is to see where fashion plays a role in that. And sometimes it is about just, you know, say if we're suiting a politician, just making sure that they look recognizable and look like themselves. And then sometimes it could be a musician and we want to like dive into this fantasy world with them. Like, for example, we had this really great shoot with Lizzo and learned that she, you know, used to be in a punk band. So for our cover shoot, we played into that. So there's just lots of talking about like every every visual aspect in the magazine. If there's a person in it, there's usually clothes on them. So we talk about that, whether whether fashion needs to be called in to style the celebrity or whether or not we want them to wear their own clothing clothing and what that should look like. So there's, you know, people are clothed in general for our magazine. So we're we're talking about all of that and how it should look and how we and how it'll tie in through the whole issue. And, you know, we're also thinking about what was in the issue before and what's in the issue coming next. So that way there's just some visual diversity. And I go to Fashion Week. I meet with, you know, designers. I meet with the PR to just see what's new and fresh out there. And it's fun. It's a great job. Yeah, it really sounds like it. So, Rosie, hello to you too. Thanks so much for being here. Hello. Um, well, you're a content creator, photographer. Yeah. I'm really curious to know how did this combination kind of come about? I'm also, um, wait, before we start that, I'm actually curious if you call yourself a content creator or a I, photographer. I always struggle with this. I call myself a photographer and content creator, but like photographer comes first because that's sort of the angle I go at it from. Um, but I think as soon as you involve content creator, it becomes a lot more personal and it means that I'm sort of in front of the camera sometimes. So I feel like that covers all bases and it's very like sort of self-explanatory. So that's what I go with. Um but I don't know which one I am more anymore because they kind of meld into the two. I think like Nicole, it sort of all happened like by mistake. Like it's all sort of, um, yeah, tumbled into itself and become what it is now. And I have no idea what that is. I'm just kind of rolling with it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing a great job. So when did it all start? Um, so I have always loved like um, film and, and anything sort of creative. So I guess like the classic line of since I could like hold a camera, but photography wise I got into it in lockdown it was sort of like my lockdown hobby and I guess the way that you connected with people then was online so I was posting it online and just ended up connecting with a lot of people that I didn't expect to Um, and I guess that's sort of where it all started like the content creation started and then like short form video became a thing which combined my love of like film and photography together so um, yeah it started in lockdown and it's sort of gone from there the photography side of things Within your content creating, I mean, there's a lot of diversity in the content you create. Yeah. You are extremely creative. There's a lot out there. Oh, thank you. In in the things that you are making, you are, I think, more drawn towards photography, but the f- 
I don't know, it's a combination of the two or how yeah, would you... Yeah, so I'm not into like, I guess, the classic videography. Like I have I don't know the first thing when it comes to actual, um, you know, like professional videography. So I am predominantly a photographer. Um, but I think the way that social media is now, it's like short form videos is a thing. And I absolutely love... I think the like overall term I would give myself is a storyteller because you're sort of telling stories with your photography and telling stories with your um, portraits and stuff like that. But also I like to tell the story of the behind the scenes and and offer sort of the backstory of everything. And I think that's a lot of where the um, creativity comes in because actually bringing a story to life takes a lot more of cre- creativity than, you know, just taking the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so... The theme of International Women's Day this year is embracing equity, which is basically the concept of giving everyone the specific tools they need to succeed regardless of their background. So I'm interested to hear from both of you, actually, what does gender equity mean to you and how have you experienced it in your industry? It's really interesting because I've spent most of my career working in an industry where it's dominated by women. So I've had mostly, for the most part, um, women managers, women bosses, women editor-in-chiefs. So I think it, it's it's something I think about um, mostly as a Black woman to make sure that I am, you know, making the same pay as someone else in my field and my title um, and having the same opportunities and and also having the same opportunities given to me in a way that will benefit someone else, um, like, you know, opening the doors, bringing people in and just doing all of that. So it, it's it's really, it's been interesting because I did move from architecture, which I mean, I w- was only doing it for a few years, but it was male dominated. And I remember at the time my salary, I was so excited. I think I made like 20 or $25,000 a year. And I was like, whoa, I'm rich. But really, then I found out like my counterpart was making like three times as much. And I was oh, like, what? That's so unfair. It's so unfair. And I I just think like there's a there's a great shift um, to making sure that women have equity in, in the workplace. There's still so many things to be done to rectify that. I mean, I still see it happen all the time where I'm like, wow, she should really be making a lot more. But I think things like... Um, you know, having to disclose what the salary is before for job postings in New York has been a really great thing. Um, and people should talk, like really just talk about like, hey, I make this much money. Yeah. Make it not a big deal. Yeah. Especially women. Women need to talk to each other. And that is one of the first things I did before accepting a job was ask the person who had it before me and the person before them just to see like where is it going what they're doing and and using their knowledge to help me advocate I, I never did that in the, I've been in this industry which is totally male dominated the photojournalism world yeah yeah getting better now that. and I think especially talking about how much did you get for that assignment oh are they also paying this and this for you you know like I really had to figure a lot of things out myself throughout the years and but now it, it's becoming more and more normal to kind of meet up with women and to have, there are several organizations yeah. where female photographers come together. And we talk about this stuff like, oh, really? Are you making this? I'm making this. Oh, wow. There's a big difference. Okay. What's going on? 
That's so interesting to hear about the fact that you meet up with other photographers to talk about prices because I I remember when I was starting out, I tried to reach out to photographers, even female photographers, and, uh, and people were really closed off about what they earn and everything. It felt like it was almost a taboo subject that I was asking people. Um, but I think with... Um, like jobs that you're applying to like you said where the salary is on display before you even go for the job is such a incredible thing to have and it's so much tougher with like freelance I think because you technically set your own price and you don't have anything to compare it to because you you know every it's sort of every everyone's like doing their own thing there's no sort of job set title especially as soon as it comes to like content creation as well um so I think that's really yeah really important that it's on display I wish we had something like that within like the freelance sort of industry because it's so sort of airy-fairy and everyone's doing their own individual thing it almost feels like that's not really an an accessible thing and mine was the opposite like you just said it'll be that in like the photography industry I sort of go off like the representation of it and there are way more men within the industry than there are women um, so I'm like I'm jealous Nicole that you got to be surrounded by women like incredible women and like look up to them because the only women I ever saw were sort of online and whenever I did any sort of um, I guess like work experience or anything in real life per se it was with men and like I never had like a actual woman to ask questions to and like to learn from. I also feel I don't know in the in the photojournalism world there were so very few women, kind of the same you are describing now. And what happened, this is years ago, years ago, it's really much, much better now, mostly because there are many of these female photographers networks. We have Women Photograph, which is a very big network of female photographers. So that helped. But what what happened, let's say, I would say about eight years ago, is that few women who were working very hard were making it through. We were making it Um but then there were so very few spots for us that that the women were also kind of fighting each other because we were like, hey, uh, and that's horrible. That's a horrible position to be in. And I think a lot of us felt the same way, kind of like, oh, we made it. So I have to keep going and I have to kind of keep pushing. And the pushing also caused you to push, kind of push away other women sometimes. And, and you saw that happening a lot. And it was a horrible contest kind of it's yeah it's like competition over community isn't it yeah we have a saying we call it crabs in a barrel how they're always climbing on top of each other to get out yeah we're really yeah. We, we don't need to act like this and crabs actually don't live in a barrel <laughs> yes yeah you know in the end of the they don't so like don't do that and if we just work together we we can get rid of this mentality that like I need to be the only woman. I need to make sure I'm in the space and I'm getting all of the jobs. And and it happens. It happens a lot to, you know, minority communities, whether it's by race or by gender. Yeah, definitely, it is changing bit by bit. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. So, what other issues have you faced in your industries when it comes to equity? I, I mean, I would say as a black woman, it, it's it's. Things have been changing, but there are still changes that need to be made to make sure that there are is better representation. Like I even look at designers and I was saying the other day and I was like, wow, like this is great. There's so many black designers, but like 
you know, there's there's a lot of black men in the forefront. And like, where are the black women designers? Like, we need to get behind them. We need to, you know, seek them out while they're in school and not just like in college studying to be fashion designers. Pique their interest when they're in high school, like finding out what what kids are into. That's I think it's really important that you start there. You see that, you know, having more mentorship programs in schools, especially in public school systems, and just seeing, you know, like building their character and letting them know, like, hey, there's there's other things. We ha-. I feel like when I was uh-huh. a kid, it was like, there's other things besides be- being a marine biologist. Like, you don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. Like, you can be creative and be successful at it and, and just, you know, stirring it up there. I think a lot of it is like representation, like just seeing people like you. I think that's sort of it. Like for me, it was literally watching female photographers do their thing that, inspired me to do it um and if I hadn't have seen that then I wouldn't be where I am so I think that the people that are doing it first are the you know sort of the leaders and there's so much to say for that um but I think yeah it just comes down to the representation and like seeing people seeing a big like array of different people doing the same thing I think that's what's important like seeing that it's not just a stereotypical um group of people that would do like a job and that you know anyone can do it yeah yeah yeah. beautifully said it's so so true we need to see different examples so yeah rosie i'm very jealous of your instagram following as i said (laughs) (laughs) so tell me you you really uh build up a brilliant following for yourselves and at very at a very young age um how do you think social media helps you gain work Especially maybe in the earlier days of the... I mean, I wouldn't have work if it wasn't for social media. Like, social media changed everything. I think not only from, like, a booking client's point of view, but also from a um, sort of motivation and inspiration to keep going. Like, I'm so inspired by every single person that's within the community and for the right reason. And it is such an inspiring and uplifting community, the creative community, especially photographers. There's just so much space for growth. And it is like community over competition like we were saying earlier it's got such a nice feeling to it so I mean social media is pinnacle for me um I used to put all my focus into TikTok because when that became a thing that was like the answer to everything um and like the first sort of tiny percentage of my following were trickling over from TikTok um and everyone was convinced that Instagram was dead and then I started posting on reels and that's sort of where the Instagram's follow Instagram followings come from Um, So that's like the last few months. So I actually haven't sort of wrapped my head around it either. And I think it's crazy because Instagram is such a um, like the community on Instagram is so much more engaged. Like everyone on Instagram is so much more. It's so much more personal because you've got stories and you've got it's a lot more conversational. And TikTok is sort of just to reach the masses. And then Instagram, I think, is where you sort of get to know them. Um, So, yeah, no, it's really exciting. And I, I wouldn't have any of my any of my work any of my like brand work my client work I wouldn't have met any of the amazing people that I've met if it wasn't for social media and that was even before like a slightly bigger following obviously I've met more people from it because that's just the way it works but when it was smaller as well um I think just putting yourself out there and like as soon as you have a page that people can look at and they can sort of glean a little bit of who you are from it um that's sort of where it goes from there that's the power of social media and I think it's incredible yeah it's so personal people really want to know who are you like the person behind being a photographer 
Yeah, I think definitely. that's kind of where I went off the track because I was like, I'm not showing my personal lives. I'm only, I'm only showing my pictures. That's that's enough for you guys. You know, like the followers. I you know me as a photographer, so you're gonna see photography. Yeah. And then I noticed. Mm, okay, I think people just really want to see who's behind that camera yeah. too. It is so easy to get addicted to it, though. My mum said, "Rosie, you're now taking pictures of your breakfast. Like this has gone too far. <laughs> people don't care about your granola. Okay, like it's okay." <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, okay, I'm going to come up here with a few uh, percentages which really <laughs> shocked me, actually, when I read them. Uh, the first uh, one is for Rosie. Statista found that 84% of Instagram influencers globally are women. How do you think you've used a space where women are dominating to achieve success in an industry where women are underrepresented? Oh, well, first of all, I think the reason for that is because that there are more women consumers. I think my audience is like 97% female. Um, so I think definitely like the most people that engage personally that will like send a message or comment or anything. And the most people that show their faces are women. Um, so I think it comes from that because at the end of the day, an influencer is someone that influences and a woman, I guess, is more likely to influence another woman than um, they are a male. But I, I obviously get some like male photographers that are interested in my stuff. So I guess that's sort of where that spirals off. But um, yeah, I think using social media, like I said, has been the answer, I think, of like breaking into, I guess, a male-dominated industry. Um, and I hadn't thought about that until you said it because I, I don't know. I think the way that I got into social media and photography was watching other women do it. And that's because they were on social media and they were utilizing what, you know, women typically excel at, um, like an area that they're excelling to get into an industry that they aren't as well represented in. Um, and I think also the people that I follow, like men and women do it very, very differently. We have a very, very different approach to social media, which is so interesting. And obviously that's generalizing. Like obviously there are people that do it different ways and everyone does it differently. But yeah, I just, I enjoy the way women create and I enjoy the, the way I create. And I know that that speaks to a lot more women than it speaks to men. And it, which is probably why I get a lot more female clients than men. I can't remember the last time I took put pictures of a man <laughs> yeah i saw that on your uh, insta feed um so nicole we could also talk about the fact that according to a study by mckinsey and oxford economics that women spend 226 percent more than men on fashion despite running only 14 percent of the top fashion companies we are seeing a change in the tide of representation, though, with 51.2% of magazine covers in 2021 featuring people of color, according to the fashion spot. And I'm wondering if you feel we are moving in the right direction. Um, I think we're moving in the right direction. I mean, it's already too slow. Like whenever I see something, they're like, this is the first time a woman has done this. And I'm like, why? It's 2023. So I, I, I think it's too slow, but, you know, progress is progress and I will take it for the most part. I think there are certain aspects we could be a little bit more progressive on, but I, I definitely think with magazine covers that from my childhood and like falling in love with magazines, I would just, I basically would wait for there to be a cover of Naomi Campbell to see representation or perhaps a celebrity but it wasn't a lot and and I would have to look at 
Essence or Ebony or Jet or maybe like Vibe magazine to see people who look like me. And every once in a while, you'd see a person of color on like a Vogue or a Vanity Fair, you know, Glamour, all of those magazines. So now I feel like the shift is is really great. I see it all the time. And it's almost like, I, I think like on a monthly basis, if you group all of the magazines together from all of the publishers and independent, you'll see a great amount of diversity. Whereas before you'd see like probably 5% people of color on the cover. And now I think it's really more like, it seems like 50-50. Sometimes I'm like, wow, people of color have swept the September issues this <laughs> That's year. Beautiful. So um, like a little joke. So I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think it'll only progress, especially with newer, like younger generations. I have two kids. One is almost 13. They're very, and I think it's like maybe because they're being raised by like Gen X or like older, a little bit younger. They're just very much proud of themselves and they want to see people who look like them and their friends are diverse. They're, they're just out there making sure they get what they want. So, which I think is great. So I think like maybe in another 10 years, it'll be even better. I really hope so. And I, the way it's going, I think it really, really will be. You see the the change has been so big in the last five years, four years, even maybe it's, yeah, I hope it's, I hope it's going to continue like this. It's just amazing. Yeah. I think the drastic, most drastic change came in 2020, you know, in the U S we have world protesting for our rights we were fighting for our legs a lot and i think there was like a a wake-up call to people to be like you need to look and pay attention and you can't just be like doesn't affect me so i'm not gonna look and 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 i think there's more people in positions now that are able to make change and people are wanting to make change um within the creative field not everywhere. And Nicole, how does it feel when you give a platform to others through your work? I saw you styled the Black Lives Matter activist for Vanity Fair as part of the You Said Hope series. It was just appropriate. It was affecting all of us. It's still affecting all of us. And we wanted to talk about it and shed another light on it. And it, it was a beautiful experience. It was also like right in the middle of COVID. So you know, photo shoots were not how they used to be. I think I, I styled a portfolio from my living room. I never once left the house. Everyone I talked to was over Zoom. And just really just making an impact. That's really beautiful that you were able to be part of that. And we got to use so many photographers. Like, it was like a dream. Like, oh my gosh, all these people that we might not have usually have worked with, getting to work with them and then starting to develop relationship with them. I think that issue for us really opened up doors for us to work with other photographers. But I really, I mean, in the photojournalism world, um, 2020 was also a big year, I think, for everyone in the creative industry and in the world in general, maybe. Um, And it changed so much and it was so welcome. And yeah, the time was really there. I mean, there was no other way. The Black Lives Matter movement was really moving forward and and it really changed uh, the photojournalism world as well for the better and i hope it keeps changing so on the when you work with um subjects from different backgrounds um how do you kind of ensure that everyone feels comfortable and welcome at a shoot do you have 
certain conversations beforehand or I I'm I can talk to anyone about anything all the time so I just like to talk and see like what you're interested I also like if I'm styling I will google image search the heck out of somebody and like dive into their Instagram and just trying to find out more about their personality Mm -hmm. and then on set it's about talking and really understanding and listening the shoot is not about me it's about the talent and what they want to be and what they want to portray and just it's really like just connecting with someone and making them feel good because that's what it's about it's about them on the shoot yeah it's lovely how you kind of keep that conversation open and let people it's like a collaboration more than what yeah exactly more than just created for one side yeah yeah <laughs> i'm always saying like it's not gonna hurt my feelings i was like i might be sad i might be sad if you don't want to wear this look that i thought was like gonna be perfect but it's not gonna hurt my feelings i'm like let's just keep yeah, it going that's great oh your job just sounds amazing <laughs> literally i'm so jealous I too. <laughs> it's just beautiful so rosie um to get back to you, I saw um, you recently did a series on your acne. What mm-hmm. was the response to that? I saw there were many. I mean, when you look at how many people saw that video and how many people liked it, there must have been a great response to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you post vulnerable videos like that, that are you without sort of any sort of filter, you get a lot of direct messages as well which is really magical because it opens up so many conversations you never thought you would have um so I loved that side of it but on like the surface as soon as a video gets um you know gets outside of I guess the photography community because the people that follow me are are all interested in what I'm posting so they're obviously going to be supportive and and really really nice about it as soon as it gets sort of outside of that, of like people that might not understand it or might have never seen anything like it or people that just like to have an opinion, which is quite a few people online. <laughs> um, that's when I think it be- it becomes, um, it can get quite negative. But the strange thing with like the acne photo shoot was basically I took pictures, I took self-portraits of myself without any makeup on because I'd had like a small breakout and I used to really suffer with acne. Um, like quite badly when I was younger I know that this wasn't bad on on my sort of standards compared to what I had when I was younger but I'd never seen anyone do that before and I wish I'd seen something like that when I was suffering you know five years ago Um, so that's sort of why I did it for my younger self and it definitely reached people that I was hoping it would reach um, which was amazing but people will comment on anything I think someone even said that my skin wasn't even that bad and it, they like went into it and were like really angry about the fact that I was taking pictures of skin that wasn't even that bad. <laughs> I will always find comments on social media interesting. I find it entertaining now. And it's interesting as well that different platforms give different responses. Like Instagram, like I said, is more of a community. So it was a lot more friendly. TikTok, if you get to large audiences, can be quite harsh, but normally is quite nice. YouTube Shorts, on the other hand, which is like this new upcoming thing, um, because I think it's so much less personal and YouTube shorts just come up like to anyone, um, you get a lot of like, you get a lot more negativity on there. So I think you just have to sort of take everything with a pinch of salt. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the response. I always think that, yes, it's exciting reaching, you know, thousands of people online, maybe even millions. Like it's, it is exciting. But I think the most exciting thing is when 
someone will message you and you get a paragraph about how it's changed their day or changed their perspective on something or it's like genuinely affected them and or helped them and like that's the most rewarding thing so I'm so happy with the response because I got a few people that said that it genuinely helped them so that's that's what I do it for and that was a really good response Uh, being vulnerable like that in front of a camera in front of such a big audience is uh, I can imagine scary but well yeah I mean selfishly it's really confidence building as well like I never used to leave the house without you know an outfit that I was like happy to leave the house in and I would like wear makeup and stuff you know like a classic teenage girl that hasn't quite got Mm. enough self-confidence to do things like that which now as like I mean I'm only 21 but looking back I'm like that's so silly and I think genuinely it's like self-portraits and putting myself online and talking to a camera like no one's listening and then actually quite a few people listen and respond can build your confidence in ways that I don't think many other things can and I think it's just so especially when you do it authentically it's so powerful to put yourself out online just for others to see even if sometimes you get negative feedback it's so worth what you gain from it nicole i'd also love to understand how you identify with the shoot you work on how does that manifest in how you see yourself as a person and a fashion director i I shouldn't i don't see myself in the shoots um it's very separate it's like it's I don't know. It just feels like like creating art. So, and it doesn't necessarily reflect me as a person um, for shoots. But I, I mean, I I love them. You know, I also get like I'll get like a negative feedback on like, why does her hair look like that, or why are the shoes that I don't like that. And it's just like whatever. People will just be mean. I don't. I don't really let it phase me. It just right sometimes i'm like yeah i actually didn't like those shoes either (laughs) (laughs) like go like you know i think it's like when you engage in it it's just it puts fuel in the fire and they're waiting they're like there's someone there who is like sitting at home you don't know what they're going through just like they don't know what you're going through and at that moment they want to engage and if you don't then it just kind of bursts their bubble so i that's how i handle it I I am. Um, I don't want to participate. I don't. I don't want to participate. I mean, sometimes I like I'll laugh at them and be like, "Oh man, that was actually really funny." Like you have to laugh at yourself. Um, and it's just it's it's really it's really interesting the the way people feel like they can speak to you on social media that they would never say to your face because they know it's horribly mean. So I just feel like if they can't say it, they're not saying it to my face. I don't need to say anything back for the most part. So always people with no profile either, like always people that are hiding. Yeah, they don't exist. Yeah. (laughs) So something I'm also keen to discuss is image rights, particularly for women actually. So Nicole, how do you kind of make sure that subjects are represented in a context that they are comfortable with, especially when it's a cover? (laughs) That's nerve-wracking, I can imagine. Um, When they don't own the rights to that image, actually something I'm dealing in with my work a lot too. My job on styling a shoe or being on set is just to make sure that the person feels good. And if they feel good, they can take a look in the mirror. You know, we also will sit there and look with the photographer, look through the photos and, and being respectful and being like, you know, how do you feel about this? Like, do you feel like this represents you? And everyone on our team does that. And, you know, we even have lots of times where like we're shooting things that are sheer and we're like, do you want your nipples to be shown or like, you know, just 
every everyone has their thing. So they're like, we've had talent be like, no, nipples are real and I have them. Please don't edit them out. Or, hey, today I wasn't like feeling my best self and, you know, brighten me up a little bit. Like you, you have to just really listen to people because you don't want them feeling bad. And especially if it's in, they're the subject of the image and they don't have any control over it. They've agreed to do it. So you have to, you don't want them seeing it later on feeling like I wish I never did that shoot you want them to be like I can't wait to do another shoot with them that's what you want to yes that's to be. so important I've had it the other way around where I was portrayed in a way it wasn't a cover lucky me but it was inside a magazine and you just open up the magazine and you think oh no <laughs> how did this happen yeah so I know yeah that's I'm very happy that to hear that that's on top of like the priority lists, um, yeah, in the way you work at uh, shoots. So, Rosie, um, there has been a lot of discussion around image rights in recent years, um, also with some pretty high-profile paparazzi cases, uh, seeing people being sued for posting images of themselves to social media uh, that they div- didn't actually have the rights uh, to. So how do you think this kind of affects the... Yeah, progression of achieving equity. I think with paparazzi, it's such a tough thing. Like I find, you know, when you get those like paparazzi videos online of like celebrities that really don't want to have be having their picture taken, and and yeah, I find that I find that really hard to watch, especially as a photographer, because I find that I would never, never take a picture of someone if they were uncomfortable with me taking it. Um, so from a photographer's point of view, I'm sort of I. I actually don't know how I feel about paparazzi because I I understand that it's a way people make a living and I understand that it's a job and I also understand that consumers want to see these pictures. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I agree with it, but I don't think I'm in a position to like put that to rights because I have no idea how I would. Um, but yeah, no, I going back to what Nicole said, I think it's so important that the person that's having their picture taken is comfortable. And I think I've learned that a lot from self-portraits because I feel really uncomfortable with someone else taking my picture a lot of the time um, but I'm so comfortable taking my own which tells me that as soon as the power's in my hand um, it's so important that that person feels like I'm capturing them in a way that they're comfortable. Um, so as far as image rights go I get that the photographer owns the picture and I have a contract that says I I own the pictures and and you can post them but you can't do much else with them. Um, because I I took it and it's my work but then that's like the harsh contract that I think you have to have that like protects both sides and that's like the paperwork side of it which I hate Um, but then the actual you know person to person side like we're all human and we all understand that there are pictures of us that we don't like and there are pictures of us that we love so like when I send a picture to someone or when I send a gallery to a client or a person that I've shot with um, I'll say I'll make a favorites folder and then I can see the type of photos that you like and then I'll bear that in mind when I'm posting them. So there's this sort of understanding. Um, so I've never personally had an issue with like image rights um, and stuff like that with when there's been a contract involved. Um, so as, as long as there's an understanding beforehand and then and then like, you know, the personal side comes in where everyone's comfortable and everyone's happy with the situation, you're fine. And in general, I guess this is to both of you. How do you think we can all embrace equity in photography and content creation going forward? I think we're going in the right way. I definitely do. I think, you know, with every with everything that needs change um, and like to just 
you know, when you need to disrupt the norm, there's always going to be a few steps forward, like a step back, and then you gain some more footage. Um, but I definitely think um, I've been doing this for like almost 20 years. I, I see a lot of progress. Like it's I wonder what better. this episode would have sounded like, let's say, seven years ago. I think we would have been like, well, maybe, well, where are we going? And look at all three of us are like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think so, the way social media has gone has opened up so much more conversation. Like when you were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement before, it opened up so many conversations, but through, literally through social media, because obviously you're not meeting up with people. It was during lockdown or like coming out of lockdown. I think we had harsher rules, so I was still stuck in my house. But um, I was having so many more conversations about literally everything with so many people I never thought I'd have conversations with um, and I think that's happening in every area um, and I think it's such an incredible thing like there's just so much conversation going on and that's the way social media has changed and also the way the world's changing I think people are so much more open to new perspectives and and learning about different people and and the world's just getting smaller and everyone's sort of learning more about everything else that's going on I think is incredible I mean we're nowhere near where where we want to be but we are definitely moving in the right direction there yeah we are I feel the same way so finally and as it's International Women's Day I'd love to also hear about the women that inspire you both they might be friends or someone famous who inspires you I will have to say my grandmother is um was my biggest inspiration she was a stay-at-home mother she had six kids they were all like basically a year apart no oh, wow. and she helped raise you know i think my grandparents had like over 20 20 30 grandchildren she was always in everyone's life um you know like it became like as a, as she got older her wardrobe was like everyone's college sweatshirt oh. and i just thought she really? was like such oh. yeah always that's what she wore college sweatshirts and oh and like a beautiful pant like she she always looked so put together and ran everything and i think that um oftentimes that especially for her generation you are overlooked as just like oh you just sit at home and you're like eating bonbons all day like to run her household i think is such an accomplishment and to have you know children she took care of my grandfather like she just was a really strong woman and going through you know just being a woman and of that time and and all the the things that she had to fight up against she you would never know it by looking at her and i always and she was always just impeccably dressed and it's probably why i love fashion like i would come home from she would watch me after school and i'm like my grandmother is sitting there like in a suit ironing towels like who are you she's just like it's just like another generation of people. I was always impressed by her. It was incredible. Wow. She sounds amazing. She sounds amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. That's beautiful. And you, Rosie, who would it be for you? Mine's the same. Like, I think I've got so many incredible women in my family. Like, I'm so lucky to be surrounded by women that are just so, so powerful and so sure in, in what they do. Um, yeah, I just... I'm constantly inspired by all of them. My mum, my mum was a single mum, so she sort of raised my sister and I. And I look back and at the time I didn't notice any differences. Um, but now I look back and I'm like, she did so many things to like, you know, make it like keep every, keep us like going. And she did so many things that made like life just more magical than it needed to be. You know, like it was just, 
I had a really magical childhood and I think she doesn't work in any job that's creative, but she always made sure that there was some sort of creative spark. And she's so passionate about about anyone that's passionate about anything. Um, so I find my mum really inspirational. My, um, my nana's hilarious. Like I've just got so many women that are just incredible. There's so many unbelievable women that are in my family and I look up to all of them. So I'm inspired by them. I'm also inspired by like, like I said, most of my um, following is women and I'm so inspired by anyone that's willing to message and put themselves out online and, and have an opinion on something. And I, I love just having conversations about like the creative world, the um, the way that people see things. Like I'm just so inspired by anyone that's willing to put themselves out there. So literally any woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, true. Thank you. Literally any Every woman. woman. <laughs> Every woman. I love that. I really, really, really love that. And it's so true. It's the same for me. I'm inspired by so many of them in the family, famous women. And yeah, it's amazing to be able to look at them and feel for yourself like, hey, I can do this yeah. too. I can be strong, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah. Now, thanks so much to both of you for sharing all that you shared and especially this last part where you shared something very personal that's really beautiful and uh, Thank you so much for making this episode so yeah. lovely and yeah, for sharing this with the listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the space. And that's it for this episode of Shutter Stories. Thank you for joining us to kick off our new season. And for those of you celebrating, happy International Women's Day. We look forward to welcoming you again next month for the next episode. Until then, follow us on our social channels, which you can find in the description of the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, follow and give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time. Shutter Stories, a canon podcast.